Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. And as we have been continuing with our current sermon series, we have been talking about blackout, amen? And we've been talking about blackout in essence as a representation of worship unto God. But we are trying our best to get into the presence of God. And so we've been talking about the darkness of God, uh, you know, how he's a God that dwells in a thick cloud of darkness and then understanding what the darkness actually represents. Because, you know, when you think about having a finite mind, you know, as human beings, we tend to interpret or comprehend darkness in a different capacity as, you know, when it pertains to God himself. So we understand as we even talked about and touched on last week, you know, the darkness of God could be seen or viewed as the secret place. You know, as the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and all those different things and darkness uh, 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 when he brought in, uh, began to create the uh, earth and all of these different things that the earth was without form and without void and the darkness was present. And so we understand that that darkness is not always interpreted as darkness in the sense where it means evil or something that is negative or something that is the total opposite of God because he's a God that dwells in the thick cloud of darkness. And so the darkness can also be viewed as, in essence, God uses the darkness to veil himself. And so even as we talked about on last week, how we said um, in Genesis 1 and 3 in the Bible talks about the uh, how the Lord says, and let there be light. You can, in essence, look at that as God unveiling himself, removing the veil uh, to all the creation, presenting himself to all the creation, introducing himself to all the creation. And then we talked about how he introduced himself as the almighty God. He introduced himself as a potter, as the creator of, of heaven and earth, you know? And so getting back to this term, as we talk out blackout, we're saying we want blackout to be where we get into the presence of God. We want the presence of God to engulf us in such a manner, uh, envelop us in such a manner that it begins to black out all of the distractions that are around us. Because as we talked about considering the times that we're in, you know, once we come through this, come out of this particular time frame where we've been dealing with this pandemic for an ongoing series of months now, the thing is all the distractions that are there, God God has allowed this to uh, give us an opportunity to get closer to him, an opportunity to hear the voice of God clearer, an opportunity to get closer to the presence of God, to understand God more, and not just understand God more, but as we come into the knowledge of who God is, God in return brings us into the knowledge of who we are, as well as what his purpose in our lives are. So it gives us this opportunity to get into the presence of God, to become more familiar with who God is, to understand, you know, what make God's move, to understand what is on the heart of God, to understand, you know, when God places a burden upon us, all these things come about by us entering into the place of worship. And so, you know, us truly becoming those true worshipers able to worship God in spite of what we're dealing with, beyond the challenges that life may throw at us, beyond the day-to-day struggles that we deal with, but understanding that nothing else matters when it comes to God. He is worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the honor, and he is still worthy of all of our praise. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, you know, we're going to encourage you we're going to turn over to the book of Psalms, chapter number 91. And as we're turning there, we're going to throw up our decree, our word decree. Amen. 
And so we want you to really partake of this as we decree over the word, because we believe, like the Bible says, death and life and the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And we also believe, like Christ says, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit in their life. So as we're decreeing over the word, we want the word of God to come alive to us. We want the word of God to come alive in us so that we can be those living words that were spoken from the mouth of God. Amen. And so our decree is, I decree that my ears, heart, and spirit are open to receive the engrafted word of God, which is quick, alive, and powerful, active. In a spirit of meekness, the ground of my life is fertile to nurture and grow the seed of God's word that will produce fruit in my life this week. I am a successful doer of what I will hear today, and I will leave here today full of faith, love, power, wisdom, and victory. Amen. And so you got your Bibles. We're going over to the book of Psalms, chapter number 91, and we're going to read one passage of scripture, and that's going to be verse number one. And here begins the reading of God, holy word. Uh, the Bible declares that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. And so as another scripture that we're going to join with this, we're going to uh, uh, just ask you to hold Genesis chapter one, verse number 26. Amen. So when we get there, we'll get there. We'll flip there like some gymnasts. Amen. But in the meantime, we're going to try to sit right here and just dwell, you know, like some old folk on a porch and some rocking chairs. You know how they sit out there and just watch the cars go by. We're going to try to sit right here in this scripture. Amen. And see what God will unveil to us. See what God will reveal to us through his word. Amen. And so here we are in Psalms chapter number 91, a familiar passage of scripture. A lot of times when I'm particularly dealing with this particular passage of scripture, uh, it is things that come to challenge me, things that the enemy tried to use to throw me off guard, you know, to get me off my post. Not only that, when the enemy tries to bring a certain level of fear to my life or distraction to my life, or all the time, even when I'm counseling someone or advising someone about this fear that they may be dealing with in their life, I oftentimes direct them by the leading of the Holy Spirit to this particular chapter. You know, because it talks about the security that God brings or the security that God gives us in this particular chapter, you know, hiding us, you know, under his shadow, allowing us to get close to him, covering us with his wings and with his feathers and things of that nature right there, how he will come against the terrors of the night and all of these different things. And so it, it, it gives us a sense of security that God is there, that he's a protector, not only that, he's a provider, you know. And so as we move into this, like we said, it's a familiar passage of scripture, you know, and we're talking about this black eye. So the title that we're going to be working with on this morning is simply entitled The Shadow of God. We're going to be talking about the shadow of God. And in essence, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect these different things or these things that represents, in essence, some sense of darkness as it pertains to God. And like we talked about on last week, we talked about how when God created the earth, you know, in the beginning, the earth was without form and it was without void and there was darkness. And so, you know, oftentimes we've seen and we've heard how the theologians, uh, they've interpreted that darkness to be a sense of chaos, a sense of ruin and emptiness. And but we showed you in scripture how if God is the author, he's the Bible talks about he's not the author of confusion, but he's the God of peace. And when you talk about author, it denotes origin, the beginning. So even when God began to orchestrate the beginning, that denoting time, beginning denotes time. When he began to create the actual globe, the earth. You know, if he's the God of peace, which is the opposite of confusion, when he created, there was nothing created in chaos or confusion. 
right? So that kind of debunks the theory that the theologians tend to have, right? About, you know, when there was darkness, that there was a bunch of chaos and confusion and all of these different things, right? But the, the point is we were trying to show you how darkness wasn't always interpreted as evil. Because again, the human mind, the carnal mind, uh, it tends to look at darkness as something that's evil, very in a contrasting manner towards God, who we know to be light. Light represents truth and all of these different things. Now, that's not to overlook that when you do have evil or wickedness, it is shrouded in darkness and things of that nature. But there is another darkness that is related to God. There is another darkness that is connected to God that does not signify evil, per se. So anything that is attached to God, we understand it cannot be evil. But one of the interesting points that we did talk about, we understand that when God created the world, he created the world with darkness in it. Right. And we talked about, you know, even God created evil himself. Right. And we said this because he created Lucifer, who is now known as Satan. Right. Your enemy and my enemy. Right. And so even when you look at the evil that is in the world uh, that has now come about because of the sin, this fallen world, the death and all of these different things. But God still takes this evil and use it. Right. For the purpose of revealing his glory. So evil has come about in mankind. God uses it as a means to mankind for means to reveal his glory unto us as mankind. So even evil has a purpose when it comes to God. And so what we talked about, the purpose of God never changes. God's purpose in everything in my life, your life, your neighbor down the street life, that church on the other channel life. You know what I'm saying? It is all the purpose of for God revealing his glory. The purpose of God never changes. It is always about the glory of God being revealed. Amen. And so we understand even when evil has entered into the world, God is going to use it to reveal his glory amongst us mankind. Amen. So as we hear in Psalms 91, the scripture begins to read. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I know y'all are some brilliant, intelligent people because see, God ain't called me to no dumbs. You understand what I'm saying? So I love preaching to y'all brilliant, intelligent people, right? So so you can, you. I know you kind of grasp the word that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the shadow. It's in the title. We're talking about the shadow of God, which again, when you talk about a shadow, the appearance, the illusion speaks to darkness, speaks to shade. So it speaks to another element of the darkness component that we'll be talking about, which is housed inside of the blackout. Amen. So as we deal with the scripture, it says he, the first word, he, denoting the individual, right? So this individual that is dwelling in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So this individual that is dwelling, we understand this individual has a sense of trust in God, a deep trust in God. In fact, that he dwells in the secret place of the most high God. Now, this is interesting because when you begin to look at this right here, uh, according to scripture, there is no one who who's been able to really dwell in the secret place of God, especially when you look at the secret place or it being interpreted from the tabernacle or the sanctuary sense, right? That, that, that place called the most holy place. No one is able to just consistently dwell there. Matter of fact, Israel is able to occupy by the means of the high priest, right? When the high priest goes into the presence of God once a year, Israel, all the Israel is able to occupy through the walking of the high priest into the most holy 
holy place or the secret place once a year, right? But we understand the veil has been torn. We now have the opportunity because of the finished work on the cross that Christ himself has done. We now have the opportunity to come boldly before the throne of God that we may obtain mercy, right? So we can come behind the veil into the presence of God. We can come into the secret place, right? So it is the individuals that trust God. Your complete, absolute trust is in nothing more than God, right? So it's the individuals that trust God completely. I'm not talking halfway trust God. I'm not talking about trusting God some of the time. I'm not talking about trusting God half of the day. You know what I'm saying? Early in the morning, you trust God. But by the time 10 o'clock comes, when things begin to pop off in your life, you start struggling or doubting whether or not God is going to be God, whether or not God is going to protect you, whether or not God is going to deliver you, whether or not God is going to stop or back the enemy up in your life. No, it's for individuals who trust God. That even when 10 o'clock comes and things begin to pop off and you are beginning to deal with a little bit of doubt. You know what? I got a praise in my mouth that I begin to back the enemy up. And guess what? My praise begins to establish a throne for God to come and dwell here in the earth realm for me to get close to, for me to abide in a shadow, for me to get right underneath his wing. So understand, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws my way. I still trust God. And the Bible lets us know Abraham, he staggered out of the promise of God, right? Because of his ability to trust God, right? And he tells us to lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, right? It again shows an essence of trusting God. Trust him with your whole heart is what the scripture says, right? So for the he is the individuals that dwell in the secret place of the most high God, right? Uh, and they shall abide under the shadow of the almighty, right? And when we begin to talk about this word trust, trust is simply defined as a reliance on the character of God. See, we're talking about God. So we're it's a reliance upon the character of God, not just his character, but his ability. So trust is defined as a reliance on the character, uh, the ability, the strength, or the truth of someone or something. So when I say I trust God, I am saying, God, I am relying upon the character of who you are. I am relying upon your ability, God, and your strength, God, but not just your strength, but your truth, God. I trust, God, that you are going to honor who you are, your name, God, your character, God. I trust, God, that you're going to put your display of power. You're going to demonstrate a display of power, Lord God, in my life. Not just that, God, but your ability, God. We see when he created the world, in the beginning, the creative abilities of God. So we understand. I know right now you can't see a way, you can't find the way, but you're talking to the God and you're praying to the God and you're worshiping and you're praising the God that can create a way out of nothing. Remember, we told you nothing is a substance to this God. So you ought to give God praise right there. When you can't find the way, guess what? All you got to do is just trust in the God that is able to create a way. Uh, what's a way when he created a galaxy? What's a way when he created a universe? My God, what's a way before the foundation of the world. He had already created a redemptive plan for you and I to be back to him. So what's the way compared to this awesome God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, right? So this is us saying, God, I trust you, God. My reliance is upon your character, God. My reliance is upon your ability, God. My reliance is upon your strength, God. And my reliance is upon your truth, God. If he said it, shall he not bring it to pass? Will he not do it? then why are we questioning whether or not God is going to remain true to what he said? Uh, you got to understand the Bible lets us know he's not a man that he should repent, nor the son of a man that he should repent. 
He's not a man that he should lie, I should say, but the son of man that he should repent. So we understand God cannot lie. He's the immutable God. He changeth not. If he spoke it, he has to honor his word. The Bible lets us know that he honored his word above his own name. So he, the individuals that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, it's those of us that trust God, right? And, and, and think about it, that dwelleth in the secret place. See, we, we talked about there is a well inside your dwell, right? When you begin to dwell in the secret place, and you can look at anything in nature, you can look at animals, you can look at us, the human race, right? We dwell in certain places because there is a specific well in the place that we dwell, right? Uh, it's called location, location 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 right depending upon the location the location provides certain things for you uh, whether it be good schools whether it be good restaurants whether it be good bars whether it be good entertainment whatever the case may be access to highways and access to beaches and all of these different things uh, maybe you want some peace and quiet so you move out far 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 or maybe you want the entertaining life and so you try to get close to downtown where things are pumping off and jumping off all the time but location lets you understand that hey hey I'm surrounded by things that, 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 that spark my interest. You understand what I'm saying? So understand, wherever you dwell, there is a well there. The well denoting the source, right? So we understand well is the source of something, right? Usually when we talk about the actual literal well, it is a source of water, right? So understand, wherever you do it, there was a source there. And so when we talk about this source, which is usually been water, for us that dwell, the individuals that trust God, meaning our reliance is upon the character, upon the and the strength and the truth of who God is. Uh, for us, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Our will or our source is God. We have made God become our source. There is no other thing uh, but God. He is the source. Everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes a resource, but God is the but we understand why many people cannot dwell in the secret place of the Most High God because they have not made God become their source. God is secondary where he should be first, but he's secondary. And to them, God is merely a resource and not the source. Right? So understand, when you talk about this dwell, right? Uh, 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 dwell in the Hebrew talks about to have one's abode. This is the place that you live. And again, think about it. If the well, the literal well source is water, you see all the creation. Certain animals are going to dwell in a certain place because there is a water source. Everything that they need is hinging on the water. Their food source, it is supplied by the source of water, the flow of water. So guess what? Animals are going to dwell where water is. Same thing for us humankind, right? Uh, whatever is your source, that's where you would tend to dwell. If God is not your source, if you have not made God to be your source, then you're not going to dwell in the secret place, right? Uh, dwell on definition number two for the word dwell also talks about to be inhabited. Again, just talking about the place that you live, the place that you occupy, the place that you abide. Oh, you don't understand. This is where I live. And see, most of us, we may frequent, we may visit the presence of God, the secret place, but it's not a place that we tend or try to live. But see, I'm trying to get there where my address is secret place. I, I can't tell you the numbers of what my address is. It's just all I can tell you about my habitation or the place that I live known as the secret place. It is called the place called death. I can't give you directions. I just, only thing I tell you, it's, it's, it's just called the place called death. I can tell you this. He's dead. That's all I can 
tell you, you understand? It's a good place to be. It's, it's a place where I'm close to God. It's a place where I feel the love of God. I feel the peace of God, the comfort of God. I am instructed by being in the presence of God. The revelation, the revealed truth of his word, the revealed truth about this earth from the revealed truth about me, about praise, about worship, about you, about him, about his son, about his spirit. The revealed truth about any and everything is revealed when we go into worship and we're able to come out and honor what God has spoken to us, able to come out of his presence and walk out what he's spoken to us or revealed or shown us in his presence, that place that we dwell, not visit, that place that we dwell, the place where we live. You know, it's not that I'm trying to get to the secret place because now I have an urgent need in my life. You know, when there isn't a need in my life, I want to be in the secret place. You don't understand what I'm saying? I, I, I just want to dwell. I just want to live there. You understand? Uh, this is the place that I want to occupy. I want to be where God is. You understand? I'm not saying I don't want to deal with y'all, but trust me, it is in your best interest that I get in his presence because uh, if I don't get in the presence of God, then you'll be dealing with Lincoln. The, oh, that dude from Florida, that dude, they got issues. That dude, they got a real bad temper. That dude that will smack you. That dude that will cuss you out. That dude that will try to steal your chick. That dude, oh yes that will try to get over on you, that dude that will try to manipulate you, that dude that will try to deceive you, that dude, oh yes, DNL, DNL, uh-huh, uh-huh. those of you that are close to me, you understand what DNL means, but 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 that dude right there, and, 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 and trust me when I say, you really don't want that, you want to deal with the one who is, who is saved, who has Jesus on the inside, the one who loves, the one who's willing to forgive, the one who's willing to admit, hey, I'm wrong, I messed it up, I got it wrong, I apologize, let me make it right, I want to get it right with you, you want to say, I repent, God, I repent to you, I apologize, See, you want to deal with that one right there who can acknowledge his errors, who's not afraid to acknowledge when he's wrong and willing to get it right. Not that one that's full of pride, uh, who think he's right all the time, and it's, it's either his way or no way. You don't, you don't want to deal with him, that one that's selfish, you are, it's all about him, that one that's narcissistic. You don't want to deal with that one that's lustful and perverted. You don't want to deal with that one that think he never has enough, that's greedy. You don't want to deal with that one right there. No, you want to deal with the one that God has delivered and set free. So when we talk about this dwell inside your dwelling place there should be a well a source god should be your source right and so this word source is defined as what anything or place from which something comes arises or is obtained so anything or place right from from which something comes arises or is obtained and so when we say god is our source he's our well at the same time. So whatever we need, it comes from God. It can be obtained from God. I can get it from God. And see, a lot of times what you find is you find people trying to get what's in the hand of God rather than get the person, God himself. Uh, so you just want what's in his hand, but I want the giver. I don't want the necessarily just the gifts. Now, now don't misinterpret what I'm saying and don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying I don't want what's in his hand, but make no mistake about it. I want him more than I want what's in his hand because the truth of the matter is I've learned over time, if I get him, then I get what's in his hand. Oh, you got to understand. I don't ever want God to interpret. I only want him because of what's in his hand. No, God, if there is nothing in your hand, God, I want you, God. I want to get close to you, God. Oh, God, I want to know what it is to hear you, God, when you whisper, God. I want to get close, God, to feel you breathe on me, God. I want to get close, God, for you to comfort me, God, when I'm struggling with confusion and chaos in my life, God. I want to know just you, God. I want to know all about you, God. Reveal this character and reveal this name of 
of who you are to me, God. So if you never have anything in your hand, God, my desire is you. You are my desire, God. Even when I have a need, my prayer has become, God, you be my need, God. Oh, you got to understand. See, the man of God taught us, God, to pray, God, keep a need in my life, God. Because I understand if there is a need in my life, I have to go to the one who can meet the need. You understand? But it taught me that even though he's the one that can meet the need, he is the one that I truly need. He is my need. He is my desire. I need him. I found out that I'm nothing without him. I understand that I can't make it without him. So what I'm saying to God and what I want God to know, God, beyond what is in your hand, God, I want you. I need you. So whatever it is that you may be in need of, desire per se, uh, uh, you can get it if God is the source. He must be the source. He must become the well. And the Bible lets us know he that dwelleth in the secret place, right? This secret place, again, denoting location. And this is the location of the most high God. And when we talk about him being the most high God, that is the name Elion and the Hebrew meaning he is the most high God, meaning there is nothing and no one that is higher than him. He supersedes everything. He's higher and greater than everything and everyone. So there is a secret place that belongs to the most high God, right? Secret place, denoting location, 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 right? So it gives you access to certain things. When you dwell in the secret place, you have access to the well, which is the source, that being God, right? So you have access to things that you need. You even have access to desires when a God is your source or your well. You have access. What, what, what more could you possibly want or need when God is your source, when, when, when you can go directly to God himself. I'm granted, I understand we're here in the earth realm and we have to pay bills and we have to deal with people and all those different things. So God shall provide, God will provide the necessary, the necessary things for us to be successful here in the earth realm. But again, it comes back to trust, right? Trust can only be built through uh, a communication, right? And, and if there is no communication, there is no trust. I, I'm going to go ahead and say, if there is no communication, there is no trust. And if there is little communication, there is little trust. But if there is an abundance of communication, there is an abundance of trust. So the more you talk is an indicating factor, the more you trust certain people. Oh, oh I, I didn't plan to go this way, but you can look inside a marriage covetous, which is uh, symbolic of our relationship with God here in the earth realm, the more husbands and wives come together and they talk. And so you got to understand another word for intercourse is called communication, right? See, it's not always about that physical intercourse, but sometimes it is about that verbal. The more we can come together and have intercourse in a verbal sense, it proves that I trust you and it proves that you trust me. Uh, I want a blessing right there. But see, you don't find folk talking, right? Because men get ill-tempered and we get frustrated and we get irritated because the woman tends to talk more than us and we feel they come and talk to us at the wrong time. And if it's not time, then it's tone. They came talking in the wrong tone. We really don't want to talk to them. But all she's trying to do is express to you what's going on. All she's trying to do is express to you what she's spinning and what she's thinking. Because guess what? There are plenty of ears out there that she could go and talk to, but she chose to come and drop her information and drop her emotions and drop her feelings 
sisters that drop her thoughts on you. Uh, I would rather she drop them on me than she drop them on the ears of another man. Can I bless God right there? Yes, I will, because it shows that she trusts me with the information that she's been pondering, with the information that she's been trying to dissect in her heart. Only that she trusts me with it, even though I may not have an answer, but the fact that I'm willing to, to present myself, the fact that I'm willing to be present, she trusts me that I'm there to let her know that she's not going through what she's going through alone, but we're in it together. Hallelujah to the most high God. We ain't going to get that many amens right there. You understand what I'm saying? Because most people in certain relationships, they want it to be all about them. We're so busy trying to take points and keep arguments. So we never hear one another. Uh, we misinterpret what one another is saying. It, it's supposed to be a conversation. You don't do all the talking. I don't do all the talking. We talk to one another, not talk at. We talk to one another. We give one another the common respect to hear one another and appreciate what you just brought to the table. Appreciate what you just expressed. Appreciate what you just talked about. Appreciate that you explain it to me, what it is that you feel, what it is that you're thinking. Appreciate the fact that they trust you to hear and, and, and gave you the time to actually bring their so-called problem to you. Appreciate that. Uh, so if there is no communication, there can be no trust. And you know what I found out? See, this thing is all about trusting God. Really, when you go deeper, it is all about God talking to you and you talking to God. So there is trust established for us trusting God. Because see, God is not the one who's struggling with trusting you. Matter of fact, he already knew what you was going to do. He know what you're going to do later today. He know what you're going to do when next but guess what? It still has not made God change his mind about what he called you to do and who he's called you to be. So God doesn't have the problem trusting you that you're going to be and you're going to do exactly what he said. It don't look like it right now, but guess what? God ain't moved. God not falling off of this storm because you're not going to get it together. He understand. I spoke it and my word cannot return back to me for, oh yes, I trust what I said. Matter of fact, we told you before, God never gives you anything to do that he himself has not done. So if God can speak and bring things into existence. Why? Because he believed it. So guess what? What am I saying? God has faith in his own word that his own word is going to come to pass. So guess what? He's not asking you to do anything that he himself has not already done. So when he's telling you to trust his word, he's telling you to do what he had to do for himself. You can trust him. He's trustworthy. Matter of fact, in the Bible, he's faithful. He's full of faith. He's faithful. He's committed to what he said. He's watching over his word to perform it, to bring it to pass. Oh, yes, he is. You and I are words. And as also the words that he's spoken, the different prophetic words that he's spoken concerning destiny and purpose, he's watching over it to perform it. I bless his wonderful name right there because he's a great God. He's an awesome God. And see, this, this blackout, it is about worship. We're talking about worship. See, see, when you can understand that he's watching over his word, meaning he's a faithful God, he's going to do exactly what he said. You, that's reason to worship God. That is reason to give him honor. That is reason to give him glory. That is reason to praise and bless his wonderful name because he is showing that I'm a good God. He's showing that I'm faithful. He is showing that I'm a God that honors what I say. See, that is the reason to bless his wonderful name. Uh, and see, when you get in the presence of God, the presence, uh, that cloudy substance, that, that Shekinah, that Shekinah, you should let it black out all of the distractions, all of those things that are pulling on your eye gates, all of those things that are pulling on your ear gates, all of those things that are pulling on 
your heart strength. You should allow the presence of God to, to black out all of these distractions. Keys, I know some days they're going to get on your nerve, but just go worship. You ought to find you good 30 minutes to an hour to just get in the presence of God. God, speak to me concerning these kids, God. God, bring me peace of mind concerning these kids, God. God, set up my heart and set up my emotions and set up my spirit, God, concerning these children and concerning my household. You ought to go and worship whatever the issue is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the sin is. See, I learned this secret thing God taught me uh, when he was teaching me to become a true worshiper. He taught me how to come to the gates, that place of prayer and a session. Whatever it is, whatever issue, whatever sin, whatever struggle that I'm dealing with, bring it to the gate, Lincoln. Bring it in, in a session, Lincoln. Come and talk to me about it. And after you talk to me about it, not take that same issue, take that same struggle, uh, take that same sin and drag it into the course of praise and begin to just bless me. God, thank you, God, that what I prayed, God, thank you, God, that what I interceded about, thank you, God, that what I talked to you about, God, that it is done, God, that you heard me, God. You're going to move, God. You're going to bless, God. You're going to deliver, God. You're going to heal, God. You're going to save, God. You're going to intervene. I'm blessing his name in the courts of praise because I believe that what I pray, he heard it. He's going to respond and react to it. Now, after all of that, I drag it into the most holy place and I lay it at his feet because you are God. Because the more I praise God, meaning I praise him for what he's done, as I sit here and I'm thinking about what God has done, and as I'm sitting here thinking about what he shall do, because he's a God that changes not. He's a God that honors his word. So it, it pushes me into that place of worship till I now see God for who he is. Uh, when I'm praying, God, deliver me from this. When I'm praying, God, save me for this. I now begin to see God as the great deliverer. I now begin to see God as my awesome savior. Oh, yes, uh, this is what worship is. We worship him for who he is. Uh, I'm calling him who he is. Uh, I say, you are the great I am, God. You're the I am that I am, God. You're the holy one of Israel, God. I even tell him that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I don't stop there. I remind them that you are also the God of Lincoln, God. Yes, you are. You're the God of Lincoln, God. So when I cry out to you, God, you said that you would answer me, God. So this is what I believe as I go into worship. I bless his wonderful name. The secret place, location, location, location. You have access to certain things. And if the secret place becomes your location, you have access to the most high God. And have access to the most high God is to have access to everything. So says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow, right? You shall, shall abide under the shadow. And now this is where we get to the meat of what we were trying to deal with. The shadow denotes it. This dark place, the shadow denotes this, 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 this shading per se, right? And, and, and now, mind you. Bear with me, my just bear with me, just bear with me, right? When we talk about shadow, right? Hey man, you follow me. Put that back up. We're talking about shadow, right? In the Hebrew, shadow, shadow is defined as protection. It's a shade or protection, right? Think about even when you're outside and you you take refuge in the shadow of a tree from the blistering hot sun, right? Guess what? You just found protection in the shade of that tree from the blistering, scorching hot sun, right? So we see that a shadow can present itself and it, it is defined as a shade denoted 
building protection. Oh, but this word got interesting to me, a definition number two. Yes, right here. Um, when you think about a dial, right? Uh, a sundial, right? Denoting time. When you see the shadow, the shadow is denoting time, right? And so understand when you're in the shadow of God, to be in the shadow of God. And so because most of us never dwell in the shadow of God, what am I really trying to say? You are not in the time of God. Oh, I bless your wonderful name. To dwell outside the shadow of God is to admitted just dwell in the chromos, right? And so I want you to understand when we're talking about the shadow in time in relation to God, understand he created a sun and a moon as signals or signs in the atmosphere or in the heavenly bodies, right? Those are called signals, right? Which denote time. Those are markers of time, right? When the sun comes up, that is called what? daytime. And when the moon comes up, that is called what? Nighttime, right? So those are signals or signs that are markers of time that he put inside the heavenly atmosphere. Amen. And you got to understand, right? When you see that sun and that moon comes up, right, and the sun comes back up, that is a rotation denoting that is a completion of one whole day, 24 hours, again, denoting time, right? And so when we say you're not a dwelling in the shadow of God, in essence, you're just dwelling in the chromos. And when we talk about the chromos, that is time itself. The very thing that God tends to not dwell in, because we understand God dwells in eternity. He exists outside of time. Time was created for you and I, right? So we're the ones who dwell in chromos right? And chronos is simplified. It is in the, the order in which things occur. So when you look inside the 24-hour period of a day, right, those things that occur inside of a day house or lock inside of time. That is the chronological essence of time, right? Or the chronological order of things, right? As they are locked in time. But then when you talk about the Keros, and these are Greek words. When you talk about the Keros, right, we understand this is this is a supernatural move or supernatural time period of God, right? Uh, we told you once before when we talked about the Keros of time, right? Uh, think about uh, and the day of the Lord or the year of the Lord. They all signify or they scream uh, Keros moments or the Keros time of God. Meaning Keros is interpreted or defined in the Greek as an opportune moment, right? A time for action, right? So when God moves Moves now, now hear me, hear me, hear me, because we understand if God ever moved from one place to this place, the place that He moved from would never it would cease to exist. So, meaning if God left, moved from my house to come to your house, uh, there would be no more in my house. You understand what I'm saying? If God literally or actually moved, but we understand He's a God that is present everywhere at the same time. Hence, He's omnipresent. So, reality, God can't move from this place to that place. So, when we're saying move, we're saying there was a manifestation of God. We can recognize the presence of God. We can recognize the activity of God, right? So to be in the shadow of God, meaning I'm dwelling in the carol's time of God, uh, it is an opportune moment, yeah. Every opportunity becomes a moment for God to display his character, for God to display his strength, for God to display his power, for God to display his might, but not only that, for God to display his truth. Uh, so when I'm abiding in the shadow, I am abiding in the carol's of God. And we told you, see, the carol's, even though you may hear terms that the day of the Lord, the day is not interpreted a 24 time period. The day ends or the day of the Lord ends when God decides that it is going to end or the year of God ends when God decides when it is going to end. So the year of God or the day of God can stretch seven years or 10 year periods. You got to understand it is when God says it's going to end. So I'm trying to abide in the shadow of God, meaning I am trying to abide in the cattle's time of God where every moment it becomes
becomes an opportunity for God to display his character, his power, his nature, his glory, his majesty, his splendor, to put it on display, right? And not only that, it becomes a time for to take action, where if I am living and abiding in the kettle's time, God is active in my life. God is active in the lives of those that are connected to me. God is active in all those things that he has allowed me to put my hands upon, those spirits that he called me to where my influence is supposed to kick in within these spirits. God is active, but you only see it when people abide in the chaos. And see, there are many people what they call it, you know, catching the wave of God. In reality, it's not necessarily you catching the wave of God or riding the anointing of God. It's just so happened that you fell upon a moment where you found yourself operating or flowing in the chaos time of God. It was just your time. Uh, the shadow on the Dow just moved. It clicked in your favor. Yeah. And I'm just trying to tell you, the opportune moments became available for God to display his power, his grace, and his mercy in your life. So I'm trying to get us to understand worship will cause us to dwell and find that well where God becomes our source in the secret place. To be in the shadow is to be in the timing of God. And see, so oftentimes, hear us, when you get out of the will of God, in essence, we say religious things like this. When you get out of the will of God, you are getting out of the timing of God. So you got to be in the timing of God. What are we saying? In essence, I'm saying get in his presence, get in his shadow, because when you're close to God, guess what? You're in the timing of God. You're in the chaos time of God, the day of the Lord or the year of the Lord. You are now operating in it, and it gives God free course to move take action. And so we talked about, even on last week, how we made reference to Luke chapter 1, verse 35, where the Spirit of God or overshadowed, meaning it hovered over the Virgin Mary, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, she became impregnated. We saw a similar move in, 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 in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, where the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, right? Or it moved upon the face of the deep. And we talked about this in essence is to brood, to hover, to brood, where we saw the Holy Spirit protecting its creation or its seed that God placed in the earth realm, right? Meaning the word that God spoke and created brought everything into existence. So the Spirit of God was protecting the seed or the word of God. Again, we understand Christ was the word. And so when the, when the virgin became impregnated, she was impregnated with the seed of God, the word of God. So the Holy Spirit Spirit is protecting the word of God. So when you see the Holy Spirit now overshadowing you, because we're talking about shadow, in essence, the Holy Spirit is hovering over you to protect you, right? This is what we're talking about. It is hovering over you to protect you. Watch this. As, as we talk about this word shadow, this is what I want you to understand. Uh, and we're going to go, go, go over to Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one, right? Uh, uh, and, and it says what? God said, let us make man in our image, right? After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, right? What I want to deal with here, I, 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 I want to deal all the way up into part C of the scripture. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So even when we begin to deal with, in the Hebraic sense, let us make man in our image. The Hebraic understanding of our image is talking about, in essence, image is defined as shade or shadow. And we told you the, the brightness of who God is, right? Uh, 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 everything around him, the brightness of who he is, if he's the center of creation. and, and 
he's this, the essence of this true light, then everything around him is just a shadow of who he is. A shadow of who he is. Keep that in mind. A shadow of who he is. And let us make man in our image. Image being shade, which is denoting shadow. So what am I really saying? Because we were created in the likeness or the image of God and after his or their likeness. What am I saying? We were created to be the shadow of God or we were created in the shadow of God, right? And this understand shadow, right? A shadow is a reflection of a person. Yeah, yeah. So if you and I were created in the shadow of God and we were created as the shadows of God, uh, representatives here in the earth realm, right? Then guess what? We, we reflect the person of who God is. Not only that, a shadow is a representation of the purpose, a uh, person, I should say. A shadow is a representation of the purpose, right? Whatever the person does, the shadow is going to follow suit, right? You can't separate the shadow from the image, right? That the light is being cast upon. You cannot separate the shadow from the actual image, right? The only way you take away the shadow is to take away the light source. The only way to remove the shadow is to take away the light source and God cannot be moved. You cannot take God out. You cannot You cannot subtract God. You cannot dismiss God. He is there. That's why we say he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's in the good. He's He's in the ugly, he's in the beautiful, he's in the unlovely, as well as the lovely. He is just there. He is the I am. So you cannot move God. He's there, right? So, so understand the shadow, the, the, the shadow or us, the humans that represent the shadow, right? It, uh, we are, it's, it's proof that God exists. When you see yourself, uh, when you look at you in the mirror and when you look at your baby mama and when you look at your cousin, you know that one that's always giving you a hard time. You know that one that know they need to be saved but they don't want to be saved right now. Uh, you know your husband, your stubborn husband, your stingy husband, and your wife that want to spend all the money. That one right there, when you look at all of them, it is proof that God exists. Yes, 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 yes. When you look at yourself and all the people around you, that is proof that God exists. We are images of God, meaning we are the shadows of God, right? And when we talk about this, right, so understand, even in the physical, right, the, the, the closer you get to the light source, right, you go and check it out, right? If you go and get up right up on a light source, right, the larger your shadow is going to be cast in the background. Oh, my God. So the closer you get to God, the larger the shadow of who you are is going to be cast out. Not for your selfish gain, meaning you're going to be bigger, meaning it's going to be all about you. No, that's not what we're saying, right? Uh, it is for you to reflect more of him. The greater reflection that you put out of him, the greater your shadow or the casting of your shadow is, meaning you've got that close to God, meaning this more of a reflection of God is in my life. It's not about me, but it is all about him, right? So in essence, what am I saying? You and I represent the shadow of God. We were created out of the shadow of God, out of the image of God, and, and the likeness, that thing was rolled up on the inside of who we are. So we represent God as a reflection of who he is, mere shadows of the true light, that being God. Take me back over to uh, Psalms, right? As, as, as we're coming to a close, we we putting this train all the way in now. It says that he that does 
place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so we're talking about the shadow of God. We understand the shadow denotes darkness or shade, but as we showed you the shadow, right, it is seen as protection, right? The shadow or the shadow of God can be viewed as being in the time of God, the Keros time of God, right? Not only that, but it also is a reflection of who God is. We reflect the true nature of who God is, right? As we trust God and dwell and make him our source or he becomes the well, right? That's what the shadow represents. So it's not necessarily anything evil. Now, there is still mystery shrouded within the shadow. We can't completely uh, uh, express you the meaning and the definition of the shadow of God because some things are still mysterious to us. And this is one of these things. So the shadow of God, that we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty in the Hebrew is defined as El Shaddai. El Shaddai meaning he's God Almighty. His power is all-encompassing. He has all power in his hand. All power, not just in his hand. It's in his mouth because the scripture declares that depth and life are in the power of the tongue. So all power is not just in his hand. He is the very essence of power. His words are power packed. Oh my God. You do hear what I say? His words are power packed. That's why God can speak one word and the power of that word has the ability to come and change your whole entire life. In the twinkling of a moment, your life can be changed if God speaks one word. Oh, see, it's not always that I need the hand of God. Guess what? God, if you just speak, God, the power that is in your word is about to change my life, God. It's not always that I need the strong arm of God. Just speak, God, and God, and the power that is wrapped up and tied up in your word is about to change my life. Oh, see, if we could just get God to speak. Uh, see, too many of us are trying to get God. I got show up here and show up there. No, 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 just speak, God. And when you speak, God, the power that is in your word is about to turn everything around. The power in your word is about to drive the enemy back, God. The power that is in your word, God, is about to pull my wayward child back in. The power that is in your word, God, is about to save my stubborn husband, God. The power that in your word, God, is about to get my daughter back on track, God. The power that is in your word is about to deliver my family members from crack cocaine, God, and the spirit of addiction, God. The power that is in your word, God, is about to break the spirit of perversion, God, over my family, God. The power that is in your word, God, is about to break the spirit of death over my family, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God. Just speak the word, God, and the power of your word, God, will change the essence of my life, God. It will change the trajectory of my life, God. It will change the lives of everyone that is connected to me, God. It will get me God, where I was headed in the wrong path, down a dark path, God, the power of your word, God, will turn me around, God, get me in the right direction, God, and cause my feet to line up, God, with your divine word, God, to have order in my steps again, God, the power of your word, just speak the word, God. So we see that he's the all-powerful God. The, his, his power is all-encompassing. Uh, he has all power in his hand. So when I get in the shadow, I get close to the most high God. I get close to the all-powerful God. And what better place to be than the one that's higher than everything? 
than the one that has all power. What better place to be? And when you really dive into this particular psalm, you see all the benefits of what it is to be close. How he protects you from the arrow that fly by day and the terror that comes at night and the pestilence that noonday. All of these, he protects that. And all and the power of God is on display, how he blocks and protects and how he keeps all of these different things. And, and he talks about at the very end of the chapter, how he was satisfied with long life. See, the benefits of being close or the benefits of dwelling in the shadow of God. When I made him my source and made him my well, everything that is essential to me, I can find from the source, God being the well. So it is it is, it is imperative that you dwell in the presence of God or the shadow of God. Everything you need, it is in the shadow or the presence of God. See, all you got to do is just begin to just worship. And I like how God gave us the analogy on last week. If you can worry, meaning you can fix your, your eyes on the problem, the situation, the individual, fix your mind on the situation, the problem of the individual, fix your heart on the situation, the problem of the individual, then guess what? Worry is the opposite of worship. Worry in essence is idol worship because you've devoted and committed your time and your heart to the situation, the problem, to the individual. But if you could just shift your perspective, if you could just shift your focus, and, and let me fix my eyes on him. Let me fix my mind on him, and let me fix my heart on him. Simplicity coupled with sincerity. I humble myself at the majesty of this king i humble myself at the splendor that is on display of this king i humble myself at the power of this king i humble myself at the wonder of this wonderful this in essence is the worship this in essence is the true worship i worship in spirit and in truth, spirit and truth are, are covered by the mere words that I speak. If words are spirit and life, to worship in spirit and in truth, I've got the spirit aspect covered by the fact of what I'm speaking. And the truth aspect is covered by when I speak what God says about himself. He says, I am holy. Matter of fact, angels are crying all day long. And matter of fact, when you look at it, the rabbis believe, the Jewish rabbis believe that the, the, the vocal cords of the angels were created in such a manner that even if they tried to say anything else, meaning if they wanted to say, God, I'm tired. I've been saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come all day. If they tried to say anything else, the only thing that would come out of their mouth is holy. When they went to say, God, I'm tired, you know what's going to come out? Holy. So to be a true worship is to worship in spirit and in truth. I got the spirit aspect covered when I speak the words and the truth aspect is covered when I declare what God declares about himself. Come on, the spirit and the bride says, come. The church, whose representation of the bride, 
The church needs us. The body of Christ needs us to worship. The body of Christ as a whole needs to worship. And the spirit and the bride are saying, come. Time out. You know, while he's soliciting around the gate and hanging out around the courts. Gotta move beyond the gates and move beyond the courts and enter into the holy place, the most holy place of God. Come, pour your heart out before God. Come, lie prostrate before God. Come and let God know who He is. Come and exalt the name of God. Come and bless the name of God. Come and lift the name of God. Come and magnify the name of God. Come, adore Him. Come and admire him. Come and reverence him. We're talking about the shadow of God, the presence of God, for all of the distractions that come throughout the course of the day. If you get into the presence, the presence of God will black out all the distractions. It will hide your eyes from the distraction. The presence of God will conceal all the distractions. It will hide all of the distractions. Thereby we're leaving you only to focus on God. Focus on God. I encourage you to focus on God. I encourage you to get back to calling on the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, call on that wonderful name of Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There is still healing in the name of Jesus. Miracles are still tied to the name of Jesus. Life is still wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in the name of Jesus. Deliverance is still attached to the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders follow the name of Jesus. I'm encouraged y'all because You've oftentimes heard me say, when I can't worship, I feel like I'm dying. And this is a push to not just get back to worship, but this is a push to abide in worship. And if I abide in worship, I want to abide in the presence of God, the secret place of God, the shadow of God. I want to be where he is. I want to be where he's making himself manifested, where he's making himself known, where he's revealing himself. That's where I want to be. I just want to be close. So in the words of Paul, we say, draw nigh to us, God, as we draw nigh to you. We're going to cleanse our hands and cleanse our hearts, God, so that we can be close, so that nothing will hinder us from being able to access your presence, being able to be surrounded in a thick cloud of darkness. That's where we want to abide. So I encourage you, let the presence of God black out all distractions and worship. Get back to worshiping God. Stay worshiping God. Keep worshiping God. Amen. <laughs>